Live from the Hot Stove Lounge, the Flames Talk post-game show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. So the Flames find a way on this Monday night. They take a 3-1 win over the Florida Panthers. They do so with a shorthanded game winner from Michael Backlund early in the third period to come away with the victory, and uh, they sweep a mini two-game homestand as we welcome you to the Scotiabank Saddledome and welcome you to our Flames Talk post-game show. It's Pat Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. The phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. The text line's open at 960-960. We'll uh, get to your phone calls and texts a little bit later on. We'll go to the Flames locker room, hear from head coach Ryan Husk, member of the Flames coaching staff, and a whole lot more. It's Steinberg along with uh, Derek Wills, and uh, Megan Mickelson will join us very shortly as well. And, hey, our marquee matchup, Willsy, brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. We are focusing on the return of Chris Tanev and Jacob Markstrom. And Tanev, they're always going to be happy to get back, but uh, I thought Jacob Markstrom was the, the story of this one tonight. I, 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 I thought the Flames spent way too much time on their heels tonight, but uh, some good play without the puck. Um, and at the very least, some good defending and some strong Jacob Markstrom play allows him to come away with a victory and another shorthanded game winner. Yeah, the uh, power kill, as uh, Megan called it, as the Flames are still struggling in the power play, but two more shorthanded goals, and they're up to eight on the season. So they only have three more power play goals than shorthanded goals in 32 games Which to start this season. It's absolutely bonkers, but just huge getting both Chris Tanev and Jacob Markstrom back. How about the game for Tanev? He plays 20 minutes and 10 seconds, blocks nine shots, and finishes plus three. Nine block shots is the highest number I've seen in any game in the league this season. And then Jacob Markstrom I thought was brilliant. Uh, I wondered if he'd be a little bit rusty, but he wasn't. He was as sharp as can be, giving up just uh, one goal on 35 Panthers shots. Some of the saves he made down the stretch when the Panthers had a power play and pulled their goaltender and put an extra attacker on the ice to give them a six-on-four two-man advantage. Some really hard saves and Really, for the most part, he made everything look easy tonight. So that's a big win for the Flames in their final home game before Christmas. Megan Mickelson with us now as well. I'll say this. I thought uh, a little bit too much time on their heels for a lot of this game. They ended up blocking 28 shots tonight. But uh, I thought they did a good job in, in saying that of keeping Florida to the outside at 5-on-5 five five when it was all said and done despite a, a huge attempts edge for Florida. Actually, the Flames won the uh, slot opportunities battle at 7-5 in this game tonight. So they, they defended pretty intelligently tonight, which was also on top of Jacob Markstrom's night, a big part of them coming away with a win. Yeah, I thought they did a good job of weathering the storm early on. They were having a bit of a hard time with the Panthers' forecheck, which is very relentless. And it's not just uh, their first forechecker on the forecheck. It's more the positioning of their second and third and the F2 and the F3 in that, you know, it's it's hard to get past that first forechecker, but also that F2 and that F3 as well. So I had a hard yep. time with that, but built on their game as they went on. Uh, let's head uh, over to the Flames locker room, get some post-game reaction right now with Noah Hannafin, who joins us on our Flames Talk post-game show right now. Uh, Noah, what'd you think of this one tonight? How'd you like the, uh, the effort from the group in a 3-1 win? Yeah, it was great. You know, I think, uh, you know, there were some things we had to clean up after the first two periods. Um, 
you know, cut, uh, a little bit too many turnovers. But I think in the third period, we did an awesome job just kind of establishing our game and um, just staying with it. You know, it's one of those games where, where they don't give up much as a team, and we just stuck with it. And um, obviously, the PK, we got a couple uh, couple goals there, but it was a uh, good effort in the third, especially. We were just talking about, uh, especially in the first 40 minutes of play, even when maybe you didn't have the puck a ton, uh, the, the way you defended. How did you like the way you kept Florida to the outside tonight? I mean, I thought we did a good job. They got a lot of uh, offensive weapons over there. They're a great hockey team. And I think uh, even just this last stretch here, I think it's just been all about effort and compete for us. You know, whether, uh, you know, even if we're not executing as well as we'd like sometimes, you know, we're, we're still uh, competing and working hard and defending hard. And, you know, that's how we're going to win games. What did you see on the game winner as uh, Puck was on your stick and you fed it to Michael Backlund for the 2-1 goal? How did you see that one develop, Noah? Yeah, I mean, most times, you know, as a D-man, you're just going to try to get that down the ice. But I uh, I had a little bit of time, and I got the puck, and, and uh, Bax was, sc- was screaming for him in the middle of the ice. Yeah. So I kind of caught him at the last second, and um, just great speed there just to get away from uh, from their defenseman and, and get a nice goal there. It was a big goal for us. What's uh, What's been key to this penalty kill being able to get on uh, the offense as much as you are? You're one of the leading scoring teams in the NHL for shorthanded goals. What's allowed you to do that? You know, I think we're uh, – you know, we're being a little bit more aggressive. I think uh, at times we were being a little too uh, patient and sitting back a little bit too much. And I think now we're just, uh, you know, we're all over it. We're skating when there's a bobble puck. You know, guys are jumping on the play. And, and uh, you know, being on a power play, you know, that, that's really hard to, to play against is when you have an aggressive kill. So I think that's uh, led to a lot of uh, chances for us. And a final thought, Noah, uh, just how nice was it to get Chris Tanev, Jacob Markstrom both back in and see them both uh, play huge parts in the victory tonight as well? Massive, massive. I mean, those are two uh, – Two leaders on our team, and uh, they bring a, a whole different presence when they're when they're on the on the ice for us. So it was great to have them both back, and they both had uh, great games tonight. Congrats on the win, Noah. Good luck Thursday in Anaheim. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you. That is Noah Hannafin post game following a 3-1 Flames win over the Florida Panthers. Calgary uh, sweeps a quick little reverse Florida homestand here at the Scotiabank Saddledome, Tampa Bay, and then the Panthers tonight. As we continue along on our Flames Talk post game show, it's uh, Pat Steinberg, Megan Mickelson, and and Derek Wills around the table uh, was uh, was good to have both those guys back in the lineup tonight and uh, Mick another shorthanded goal they had another one on the Blake Coleman trip penalty shot into the empty net whatever awarded yeah. <laughs> goal uh, but the the big one is the play that Hannafin set up to Backlund and a nice finish from the captain uh, another shorthanded goal for this group is as they continue to get the job done and be seemingly more dangerous right now killing penalties than on the power play well and what Noah Hannafin failed to mention on that play was what a great gap he had and it's you know it's a a small thing uh, in terms of it's not something that's talked about a ton, but your gap on the penalty kill is so important as a defenseman to be able to force the other team to dump the puck in at the red line or at the blue line. And on that play in particular, Noah Hannafin had a perfect gap in that he was able to step up and force that turnover and then was able to grab the puck back and and spring Michael Backlund. So, you know, he talked about jumping on bobbled pucks um, and making sure that they were put a ton of pressure on the other team's power play and that's not just in zone that is in the neutral zone as well so that they can't get into the zone and get set up so it was a, a great play by Noah Hannafin there to initiate that might be the best I've seen him play he is absolutely flying right now mm-hmm. he's always been an elite skater but I'm not sure I've seen him move better 
then he's been moving lately. And he's another guy who finishes plus three, adds another point to his totals tonight. By the way, I just looked it up. Those nine block shots by Chris Tanev, a career high. Wow, hey. Yeah, I, I thought he probably had double digits with the way he blocked shots, but nope, that's the most he's ever blocked in a game. So uh, getting him back was huge. Getting Jacob Markstrom back was huge. And that is a big win for a Flames team that suddenly has a four-game point streak. Uh, by the way, with the two shorthanded goals, now tied for the league lead with eight on the season. And uh, Michael Backlund has moved into second all-time on the all-time uh, shorthanded goals list as he passed Kent Nielsen with his 17th career shorthanded goal tonight. And uh, the only person on the all-time list that he's trailing now is Theo Fleury, who's the all-time leader with 28. And a nice little flare, good finish from Michael on the eventual game winner. Shorthanded goal and the shorthanded game winner this evening. Uh, let's select tonight's hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. What are we thinking tonight, Mick, for uh, tonight's hardest working flame? Oh, this is a tough one, guys. Here's a hint. Well, no, if... <laughs> Okay, Jacob Markstrom was absolutely outstanding, so he would he's potential. Noah Hannafin, he, flying like you said, Wilsey, but also just so smart out there, so he really stood out to me. Michael Backlund, obviously, with that goal. Blake Coleman was great as well. But I'm going to agree with you. Chris Tanev, like those shot blocks, yeah. but there there were so many instances in the defensive zone where it's small things like his stick positioning where he's just able to defend so, so well and then makes really smart reads in terms of making plays out of the zone if he's making outlet passes or going over to his D partner instead or just flipping the puck out. Like he is so, so smart and so solid. And then also, you know, at key times in the game, game not just the penalty kill but in the dying minutes where they're trying to hang on to a lead to have a guy like Chris Tanev that you trust so much and who is so solid defensively to be able to put him out on the ice um, and the nine block shots I mean that's that's crazy. So after missing three games officially and essentially four games, Chris Tanev back in the lineup tonight. He's your hardest working flame. Brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. It's uh, Pat Steinberg, Derek Wills, Megan Mickelson around the table. Flames win 3-1 over the Florida Panthers here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. And we say hello to Flames assistant coach Dan Lambert who joins us live in the hot stove lounge as well. Dan, how'd you like uh, your group's fight and uh, the effort against this Panthers team tonight? Yeah, it was uh, it was a hard-fought battle for sure. I, you know, I didn't think, I thought in the second period we, we sat on our heels a little bit and watched them work and skate and do all that fun stuff. Although in saying that, we <clears throat> we certainly had, uh, you know, we had a lot of block shot. We, we, we block shots. We, we paid the price to not allow them to score and obviously our, our goalie was, was fantastic throughout the night, but certainly in the second we challenged him and, and he stood up for us. So um, <clears throat> hard-fought battle, they're a good team, and, and we were able to find a way to get two points. 
One thing that I noticed, uh, especially early on in the game, was just the forecheck of the Florida Panthers and just how relentless they were. And not just their F1 on the forecheck, but the positioning of their F2 and F3. But you guys seemed to make some adjustments in game and were able to break out easier kind of in this later part of the second, in the third or so it seemed like. Were there any adjustments that you guys made in game? Well, I... Um, after the second period, we talked about um, trying to trying to have somebody go through the the neutral zone or to to push them back a little bit. And you know, when when whenever a team stands like they did, they stood with five guys. I mean, their D were right on top of our wingers. And if we could chip the puck and maybe have some speed going going through the neutral zone, kind of slashing through the zone, um, at least you can have a race to get to the next play. Um, <clears throat> something we weren't doing in, earlier in the game, and and even though we had talked about doing that earlier in the day, um, but in saying that, I think it was a, a focal point that in the third guy started doing it more, uh, which allowed us to get out of our zone a little bit better, which then released some pressure for the D, for the goalie, and all that fun stuff. So um, <clears throat> it was a bit of an adjustment, but in saying that, um, at the end of the day, we did it. You know, that's that was the difference. On that last road trip, you guys had a lead in the third period of all three games. And I know you only got two points out of those three games, but I couldn't help but wonder if you had Chris Tanev, who's your best defensive defenseman and best penalty-killing skater, if you come home with three, four, five, six points on that road trip. You missed him for most of the last four games. Tonight he blocks a career-high nine shots. Other than blocking shots with every body part that he has, what else does he bring him to this team, and why is he such a valuable player for you guys? Well, Chris is a he's a great teammate and and everybody knows that when he's out there he's going to give you 100% and he's going to do anything and everything to make sure the puck doesn't end up in your net. And, and I think when and that's a little bit um infectious if that's the right word. Um I think then everybody takes takes on from that whoever plays with Chris Tanev typically his game rises because he makes other players better and I think that's what great great players do and and he certainly um you know brought that tonight and and I think he was probably even rested which is you know <laughs> something that sometimes when you get a, a bit of an injury if it's not too bad you can come back and and, and when Marky's the same thing I mean mm-hmm. he looked he looked fresh tonight yeah Dan Lambert is with us, Flames assistant coach, following this 3-1 win over Florida on our Flames Talk postgame. Uh, two more shorthanded goals in this one tonight. I don't know the ones into an empty net, but the, the Michael Backlund shorthanded goal ends up being the game winner. You're now tied for the league lead with uh, eight shorthanded goals this year. I know this is uh, the area that's kind of your baby. What has allowed your group to be as dangerous killing penalties this year? Well, I mean, that's that's them. You know, like we, we have good players that kill penalties. We have guys that have the ability to make plays. And, and you know, even though we've encouraged, like, if there is a play to be make, made and, and you can go for offense, go for offense. But certainly our, our, our focus is to kill first. Um, but you know what? Like, there's a lot of times when you're, on, when you're on the power play, when you're a power play player, you're leaning for offense. You're cheating for it. And if you can take advantage of that. And our guys have done a great job of, of doing that. We have started calling the penalty kill the power kill now. <laughs> By the way, just so you know, it's it's now the power kill uh, and the success that you guys have had. But uh, I wanted to ask particularly, uh, you know, just about the defenseman with uh, Chris being out when he was obviously Hannafin, Anderson, um, 
and Uyghur stepping up big time as they did. But also you look at Jordan Osterley stepped in and did a great job, but Nick DeSimone and Dennis Gilbert in particular, uh, and just the way that they've played a really simple, quiet game, but have played some really important minutes for you guys. What have you seen from them? Well, I think you described it perfectly, to be honest with you. Um, You know, whenever, whether you're a call-up or you're, you're a guy that's been in and out, Um, whenever you go unnoticed that's probably a really good thing and they have done a really really good job of that their gaps have been good their breakouts have been for the most part pretty good which allows you to then not have to defend as much and I think um, those three guys that you talked about Gilbert DeSimone and Australia I think I really uh, feel that they they really stepped up and, and allowed us to get points in some of those games. Um, and I think, you know, with Jordan, him being able to play on, on his left side, I think it's a challenge whenever you're playing on your offside. There's some guys that can handle it. Um, Weeks is an example of that. But but for the most part, it is a challenge. And uh, I, I, I can't say enough about those three, how, how well they've played and, and how they've allowed us to um, stay in the race. Dan, when you have a, a long losing streak early in the season, chances are you're going to need a long winning streak or a long point streak, maybe multiple ones, to get back into the playoff race. All of a sudden, you guys are one point out of a playoff spot, and you've got a four-game point streak. Do you feel like you're starting to build some much-needed momentum here? I do. Um, you know, it feels like we're 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 not playing always 60 great minutes, but we are playing really well in in a lot of parts of the games and and you need that and and our you know we've we've had good goaltending all year that hasn't been an issue we've talked about that you know prior mm-hmm. to but uh, honestly i just feel like we're we're playing more of a team game um you know and and that's part of new you know new coaching staff and all that but those aren't excuses it's just reality and and i i do feel that we've we're we've stepped up and and uh, and you're right we need we need winning streaks and we need more than one most likely Appreciate the time, as always, Dan. Uh, have a great night and uh, enjoy the road trip, hey? Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. yeah. Merry Dan, Christmas. Dan Lambert is uh, Flames assistant coach joining us here on our uh, Flames Talk postgame show following a 3-1 win over the Florida Panthers. Flames close out their pre-Christmas home schedule with a couple of wins over the Florida teams as our Flames Talk postgame show continues. It's uh, Megan, Derek, and Pat along with you. Uh, let's get to some final thoughts from uh, our uh, broadcast team before before we hit the phone lines, hear from head coach Ryan Huska and more. 3 1 the final score. Final thoughts starting with Megan Mickelson. Well, I apologize for the nerdy four check question. <laughs> we love your nerdy questions. No, never apologize for those. Those are the best. It's, it's always so interesting how the coaching staff, the in game adjustments, I always find super interesting. So that's where that question came from. But, you know, I think for the Flames tonight, it was a matter of. Um, building on their game the way they needed to over the course of 60 minutes and making the adjustments that they needed to in order to win the game. But also, you know, those the key points in the games, they're getting better at managing their energy and the way that they're playing the game in those 
situations and finding ways to score also in in different ways and you look at the game tonight I mean it's they find a way to to score on the penalty kill twice and without figuring that out and and finding out or finding a way to score in the that situation they don't win the hockey game so for me it was you know the the way that they built on their game throughout the 60 minutes finding ways to score but also the return of two very key players players in the lineup in Chris Tanev blocking nine shots like we talked about uh, and Jacob Markstrom making some massive saves at key times uh, in that hockey game so this is a team that's they're playing really good hockey right now and it looks like they're really starting to figure it out yeah the team game is definitely trending in the right direction and it's funny because I didn't think the Flames were very good in October and their record probably was what it should have been but they found ways to win games in November. All those come-from-behind wins, and then they started December. And I said this after their three-game road trip, kind of finding ways to lose. I mean, they, they were starting to score first. They had the lead in the third period of, of those three games in Denver and Las Vegas and St. Paul and lost all three games, even though they did pick up an important point and an overtime loss and a shootout loss to wrap up that three-game road trip. But now on this two-game homestand, they found ways to win again against two good teams in the Lightning and the Panthers. And, Pat, you said it the other night, the Flames turn a three-game losing streak into, or sorry, a four-game losing streak into a three-game point streak. And now mm-hmm. with another win, it's a four-game point streak. And all of a sudden, they're right there, one point out of the second wild card spot in the Western Conference. So good to see the team finding ways to win again. I still think they're going to, going to have to get the power play going at some point in time here, but the fact that uh, their penalty kill is scoring goals for them when their power play isn't uh, has helped them win hockey games. The Flames have now scored five shorthanded goals in the last seven games, Hmm. which is unbelievable, and eight shorthanded goals in the season, and as you said, Pat, that's tied for the league lead, and they only have three more power play goals than shorthanded goals now, so thankfully, uh, with the PP not working as well as uh, it could or should uh the pk has been but hey great to get jacob markstrom back he was as sharp as he's probably been all season in his return to the lineup after not playing for more than two weeks and chris tanev who as mentioned in our chat with uh, dan lombert is uh, block shots with every body part imaginable he blocks nine shots tonight a career high in his return to the lineup so a uh, big win for the flames and now they head on the road for two and well, they had a six-game losing streak earlier this season. Wouldn't it be great to head into the Christmas break with a six-game point streak? We'll see if they can uh, string some wins or at least uh, a couple of games together with more points against the Ducks and the Kings before they take a little bit of a break. I believe uh, Jacob Markstrom uh, back up over 900 with uh, the effort tonight. Nice. 34-35. Nice. I think it'll get him up to 901. I haven't updated yet on NHL.com, but I'm pretty sure my horrible math skills are right on that one. <laughs> uh, see you guys on Wednesday for practice, BYU. Well, friends. All right, Thanks, good Pat. Uh, Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills signing off following a 3-1 win over Florida. Now head coach Ryan Huska. Let's hear from the coach following his team's victory over the Panthers tonight. Can you just talk a little bit about uh, the impact your, your new goalie had? It the new the goalie. Team? Yeah, and we talked this morning. When he's fresh, he's, he's really good. And I feel like he's been that way for almost every game he's played for us this year. But tonight, he, he was different. He was different this morning. And... He gave that confidence to the group in front of him that he was going to make the saves. 
It seemed like the team really rallied around him with all those block shots. Yeah, especially later in the game, right? And they had a couple early on penalty kills. Doing a better job of staying in shot lanes is something that we've been stressing for a long time to help to help out with some of the chances that we give up early on. And we feel with the size of our goaltenders right now, these two guys that we currently have, um, if we if we limit the quality of chances we're giving up, they'll make those saves through traffic a lot of times. Ryan, not to be controversial, but more for clarity on the on the penalty to Michael when he got it up. Did that hit Jonathan from your vantage point, and should that have been a penalty as a result? I, I don't know. I haven't seen that again. I know that was uh, a lot of the the talk that it might have hit him um, going through. Hubie made it. It seemed like it hit his shoulder. What I could see on the video was I thought maybe it hit his head. Um, so it it is what it is. You know. Can you talk about the save that he made on Bennett? With about a minute 45 to go, his stick is in the net. Mm-hmm. How crucial is that in the game? Yeah, it was tough for us to see from the bench. There was so much traffic in front. Um, and I know we had all four of our guys back in there as well. But um, I, I saw the pad down. I didn't really see um, what else was going on. But he's a fighter. you know. And I, I think when games are on the line like that, that's when he plays his best, which was great to see for us tonight. The, the team's penalty kill has been a strength for a couple of years, but it seems like this season they seem to be chipping in goals at really key moments. Uh, what do you think? Like, what's what makes the team so dangerous as a counterpunch in the penalty kill? I, I, I honestly, I think it's the way power plays are nowadays. Like, oftentimes there's a lot of motion. Um, sometimes you, well, most almost every time there's one defenseman on the ice, and you get four guys deep a fair bit. So if there's a missed net or a missed shot, I, I think our guys are. Um, there's a fine line between cheating and making smart plays, and I think for the most part they've made smart decisions as to when to try to generate offense. Um, but I think that's a big reason why. I mean, if there's a misplay, someone's out of position somewhere. So we have some guys that can skate and read the play well. It's a bit of a weird follow-up, but is there something from that mentality on the penalty kill that can somehow be applied to the power? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, your your penalty kill has to outwork a power play, and when they do that they're going to be successful more often than not the flip side's true though like if you have a, a five, we always talk about five on five mentality in your power play you have to work to be available and against penalty kills that pressure really hard um, you have to work that much quicker to get over to be an option for your teammates so it is a lot of times about work and um, making sure you have a mentality where it's not time to rest when you're on the ice you have to crank it up even more what does a healthy Chris Tanev, how does that change your whole back end? Yeah, I mean, you look at the way he played tonight, too. I mean, he, he missed, what was he on, a week, just over a week or just under a week. Um, but he blocked shots right away. He's positionally sound all the time, and he's a positive, supportive voice all the time. So, you know, when he's back there, I mentioned this morning, he's like a security blanket for a lot of people, especially his partner. Um, and there's... You know, when you look at whoever he's playing with, they tend to play at their best, and he does that for Noah, like he did again tonight. So he's an important guy, and it's nice to have him back. Is there a momentum thing with these shorthanded goals that just kind of builds from game to game, or you just sort of see this as a bit of a lane <laughs> that they're you're getting them? I think it's a trend. Um, but it, within game, when you get one, it is a momentum thing for sure because you hate giving them up on the power play. That's for sure. But I, I think from game to game, I think it's just a a trend or a phase right now that you'll take oh we'll take it yeah for sure you came home to this uh homestand two tough teams coming in and coming off a, a road trip that could have been better probably should have been better uh, just thoughts on how they uh, hung in there and rallied back to 
couple of big wins. Yeah, they, these were big wins. It kind of keeps us in the picture, and that's what we we talked to the group a little bit about. And you know, we we have to find a way to get as as close as we can to that wild card position, and that means we have to win games. Um, we did feel on the road trip that we played well. We played well enough to get more points than we did on that road trip. Um, but this was kind of a, you know, uh, when the guys came home, they didn't feel badly about themselves because they they were in those games on the road, and, and at times we, we played pretty well. So uh, it was important for us just to keep us in the mix for sure. There you go. That is head coach Ryan Huska postgame following a Flames 3-1 win over the Florida Panthers this evening. Calgary now uh, gets a couple of days without a game. They are into Anaheim Thursday, Los Angeles Saturday to wrap up their pre-Christmas schedule for 2023. Okay, it's Pat Steinberg along with you. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text lines open at 969-60. We'll get to your phone calls and your texts very shortly. Tonight's game has been brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. This is your Flames Talk post-game show, and this is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The Flames Talk post-game show continues from the Tot Stove Lounge on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Final score from the Scotiabank Saddledome. Flames take a 3-1 win over the Florida Panthers. We are underway on your Flames Talk post-game show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Phone lines open at 403-240-4444. Text lines open at 960-960. We'll get there very shortly, but right now, let's get to tonight's save of the game. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. Uh, after missing the last two weeks with a broken finger that he sustained exactly two weeks ago today uh, in a practice on a Monday. Uh, Jacob Markstrom back in net and he was dynamite. One of the better games this year from number 25 and Jacob's save of the game comes in period at number three. Here's Barkov back to the blue line of Montour over to Reinhardt who shoots. Loose puck in the blue paint. Bennett is denied by Markstrom. That ends up being one of the 34 saves made by Jacob Markstrom tonight, and that is his save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. 34 on 35 uh, was very good on Florida's power plays when they were extremely dangerous in this game. Uh, you know, the Flames did a pretty nice job, as, as Dan Lambert talked about with us a little earlier here on our Flames Talk post game probably spent too much time defending definitely spent too much time defending uh, especially in the first 40 minutes of play on their heels too much and that's that's not the way you want you want to be on the attack and and in the offensive zone more and and there's no doubt about that but they did a nice job of keeping the Panthers to the outside even still and made it tough for uh, for Florida to, you know, get into the really difficult areas. And those block shots were a big part of it. 28, I believe now up to 29 in this game tonight. Uh, and Markstrom was very good when he needed to be at 5-on-5 five five and especially on the power play. Big-time checkmark game for Jacob Markstrom. Uh, that was what they were looking for with him coming back in the lineup tonight. Let's hear from Jacob, your number one star in the building tonight. Here is uh, the Flames goaltender after a 3-1 win over the Panthers. Back. How did it feel? Uh, good. Obviously, uh, you know, big win for us and uh, uh, it, it's, uh, it was nice to be back in there. What's it mean to you that guys were so selfless blocking so many shots for you? 
Yeah, I feel like that's uh, that's <coughs> nothing new for for today's game. It, it's been that like that all year, and it's uh, you know it's inspiring, and it uh, you know it, it gets a goal for sure. No ill effects from the injury. You felt pretty comfortable, obviously. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was good, or else I've been out there if I if I felt like it was going to affect the uh, affect the play. So. It's good enough to play, so it was uh, it was nice to be back there. I missed it. Is there any adjustment mentally, in, like not having played for a few days and then coming back and having to remain focused for a full sixty minutes? Was there any adjustment in that sense or no? Uh, I mean, a little bit, but uh, it's more about it's it's nice. You just try to focus on you know not to feel so much and just focus on the puck and uh, mm-hmm. uh, not on how your body feels. So it was uh, you know the that's pretty much the only thing I thought of all game so it was it was nice I didn't think of anything else to score or whatnot so it was uh, it was uh, it was easy ended up being easy to just kind of block that out and focus on the puck was there any moments during the game where you sort of felt like okay I'm back I feel good uh, yeah this morning <laughs> Jake, if it's been a few years and, and and all that, but is there something special about beating that team? Do you still do you still get a little extra charge? Uh, I mean, sure, but not not really. It's uh, it's been more than ten years now, I think, and it's uh, that was a while ago. It, uh, uh, yeah, it goes quick. <laughs> no, but it, it's it's a big win for us and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's maybe just one guy, uh, Barkov, that was there when I was there now. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, but it's a big win, especially with Chucky being there too. It's uh, it's a little bit more special. Do you, you feel like you're building some home momentum because this is the first part of the season you played so few home games and never really had a chance to build some home momentum with a couple wins here. Yeah, I think uh, you know we obviously talked before. Uh, uh, before last uh, last home game here and uh, against Tampa and you know four games before Christmas we need to we need to win that to to claw claw back in the in the race here. What can you say about your penalty kill? You know two shorthanded goals like <coughs> those guys had tonight. Uh, really good. I mean the guys are blocking shots and a little flipper on the the first one that that they scored on. But uh, you know other than that it was uh, I didn't they didn't get many shots through and you know that's all our guys doing doing the right thing and, and sacrificing themselves. Jake, what did you see on that that save, the kick save you made on Bennett? You lost your stick late in the game, less than two minutes to go. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, I mean, uh, I think the D shot went in Chucky's pants, and no one really knew what it was. And you know, uh, then it's just you kind of just want to cover the ice, and you know, did that. So it's nice to get one of those. Did you realize that the, your goalie stick was in your own net at that point? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I figure it was. Uh, it wasn't really time to try to look for it and pick it up. But uh, you know, it's that's that, that's just stuff that happens. Kind of underselling a game-saving stop by just saying, "Oh, I just put it." Yeah, I just did though. <laughs> I don't know, you want me to lie and hype myself up? No, it's a it's a big team. It's a big team win and penalty kill, and you know, the the last two minutes was great. There you go. That is Jacob Markstrom post game after a really solid effort between the pipes in a 3-1 Flames win over the Florida Panthers. Okay, we are underway on your Flames Talk post game. It's Steinberg along with you. Uh, phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line open at 960-960. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Let's get to the text line for the first time tonight, starting with Doug from Canmore. 
I, I was thinking Mike from Canmore. That was the Royal Canadian Air Force uh, Air Force uh, character. Doug from Canmore instead. Uh, says, Pat, love the work ethic on this team, minus Lindholm. Hate to knock a guy, but everyone knows what he can be when engaged. He could be a Selkie candidate when he's going well. Just with Craig Conroy, I just wish Craig Conroy would move him out if he doesn't want to be here. Happy to see Markstrom back to his A-plus form. At least three highlight reel saves tonight. Can you imagine how we'd be talking if the power play was working keep up the great work that comes from Doug and Canmore yeah I mean penalty kill has has been more dangerous than the power play has been that's an area that yeah they're going to need to figure out uh Alex in Ottawa says haven't had a chance to see a game in a bit great 60 minute effort tonight Markstrom was on fire the more I see Hannafin play the more I feel he's the one UFA I really want to stay aflame I'd love all three to sign back but Tanev's age and injury history playing style worry me and Lindholm I'm so so on mostly because of his age great game guys go flames go this from Leandro, uh, a marquee masterclass. Great game getting right back from that injury. And, oh, captain, my captain, what a goal. Great game from the boys. Let's keep it rolling. Go Flames, go. Um, Pete from Montreal says, this season the Flames have seven shorthanded goals and 11 power play goals. Uh, bump it up to eight shorthanded goals and 11 power play goals. And I would love to see what the uh, count has been since, like, the month of November or something like that. Uh, Scotty and Victoria says, unbelievable game overall great effort against a solid team I think there was more at stake here with Kachuk returning to the dome would have been nice to see Huberto get a goal against his old team Markstrom looked unbelievable Vesda quality even Pat have you ever seen a Flames goal on an empty net penalty shot that was wild I feel like I've seen it once before I knew it as soon as it happened I was like oh referee's gonna have to point to that being a goal and he did I think I've seen it at least once here at the dome if not more it doesn't happen all the time but that one was a Pretty clear. Um, that was a pretty clear instance when, yeah, that was a penalty penalty shot on an empty net, which is always a goal. So, um, yeah, I, I I feel like I've seen it a couple times before. Um, this says um, from Adrian and Lethbridge. I've really been enjoying watching this team lately. Would be nice to see them string some wins together and sneak into the playoffs. My question for you: If the team keeps on playing well and are around the playoff picture come the deadline, will that raise the trade value of the pending UFAs? Yeah, I mean, I think that them playing well as a team um, that absolutely raises trade value for uh, their pending UFAs. I think that the, you know the more that a guy like Noah Hannafin plays well or the more that a guy like uh, Elias Lindholm plays well um, obviously Chris Tanev and and what he brings to this team I, I think that them being strong or being good absolute or or being competitive absolutely will only help when it comes to trade value for this team uh, Ash says it's sad that I think the Flames have a higher chance of scoring shorthanded than on the power play I've personally really liked the pairing of DeSimone and Gilbert together and would like them to stay together for the remainder of the season uh, like Zary and Pospisil I also don't think DeSimone should be sent back to the Wranglers for the rest of the season your thoughts I mean let's let's see how it continues to develop. I've, I've liked that pairing together for sure and it gives them a left-right option and if if DeSimone's not in, then the Flames only have one left-right pair because they go right-right with Uyghur and Anderson uh, and they'd go left-left if it's Osterley and Gilbert. So yeah, I, I think for now Simone and Gilbert sticking together as a pairing uh, just fine for them, uh, for the team. I, I thought that tonight maybe a little 
underwater a little bit too much that pairing was, and I thought they had a, a rough second period, um, but seemed to get back on track as the game went along. So, look, I mean, I just tonight the Flames were probably in their own zone a little bit too much, a lot too much for uh, the, the normal blueprint for success, but uh, thanks to a solid game from Markstrom and some good work in, in boxing out the Panthers, they were able to limit damage. Uh, Scotty in Capitol Hill says another solid effort by the boys. Nice to see Markstrom back and looking sharp. I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing. The penalty kill has scored more goals than the power play recently. Uh, yikes. Yeah, probably a, a little bit of both. You, you like to see a dangerous penalty kill. You don't love the... Um, I mean, they had five power plays tonight, and I don't know if at any point you felt like they were going to score on one of the five power plays. So that's that's a, a, a solid counterpoint. Uh, that says, what a game, hey? You'll get a lot of calls about that second period and how the Panthers' forecheck was relentless and they couldn't even clear half the time. But to that I say, did you see the systems clicking during that? Uh, did you see how the Flames were calm, kept their assignments and roles, and how the entire defense felt like they were Tanev calm? Uh, on top of that, after... After an extended look at our goalie roster, Markstrom proves why he's undoubtedly the starter. But again, he did this job while all the five in front followed and stuck with the system. Uh, what did you see that worked for the Flames to bend but not break with this game? Well, I've blocked 29 shots. That's a, that's number one. Um, they made it difficult for the Panthers to get to the middle. Uh, so, I mean, shot attempts at five on five after 40 were... Uh, that would be 42-21. So it was a massive territorial five-on-five edge for Florida through the first 40 minutes of play, which is, is not ideal. But what was important was that despite that massive territorial edge, high danger scoring chances at natural statric were 4-4. So it was a, a good I Look, you're not always going to be able to spend more time on the attack, and sometimes when you're playing a really good team like the Panthers, who are the defending Eastern Conference champions, sometimes you're going to just be the second best team territorially and for the first 40 minutes of play the Flames were the second best team territorially but you still got to find a way to win you still got to find a way to be intelligent and they did a nice job of boxing the Panthers out um, keeping them to the outside and and limiting really high quality scoring opportunities that's how teams win playoff series that's how the New York Islanders upset a bunch of teams to back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals that's how sometimes you win a playoff series is by by blocking a lot of shots, being smart defensively, getting good goaltending, and just grinding it out. Is it a sustainable way over 82 games in a regular season? No, but they figured it out tonight, and they're desperate for points, so they'll take them. Um, so that's that's what I would say to you, Vats, in terms of what worked for them to bend but not break. Uh, this says, Flames didn't deserve it, but when the power play can't score, your penalty kill needs to save the day. Full marks to Markstrom and Backlund tonight. This from Seb in McKenzie says, who needs a functional power play when you have the world's deadliest penalty kill? And uh, final one before we hit the phone lines for the first time tonight from Will in BC says, at the start of the season, my take was the Flames are a pretty good team with weak goaltending. I still think the Flames are a pretty good team, but I need to eat some crow about the goaltending. I think Markstrom has improved many of the parts of his game I complained about last year. So I disagree with those that say blow it up. I think the Flames are really very close to being an excellent team. Let's see more 
more from number 10 and see where it goes with another player or two. Do you see Lindholm staying on as a flame in the future? Uh, Well, I mean, no, I don't. I think that it feels like as of right now and these are things that can always change and there are always ebbs and flows, but it feels like that ship has sailed. It feels like Lindholm going somewhere else and getting dealt is is the way this thing is going to go. I think there's a good chance it's going to go that way with all three of those pending UFAs, but I think if I were to rank them, I feel most uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, I, I, I'm less or the least confident that Lindholm would resign here, and thus I'm the most confident he's going to get dealt. Uh, we heard the report on the latest 32 Thoughts podcast with Elliot and Jeff that uh, Colorado's been sniffing around, which makes a ton of sense, and there are some really interesting assets you could get from the Avalanche. So I, I do think that Lindholm elsewhere between now and March 8th is something that's going to happen. But that's on December 18th. There's a lot of time between now and March 8th for things to change, I guess, if uh, if that's what you're hoping they do. Uh, great stuff so far on the text line at 969-60. Now let's get to the phone lines at 403-240-4444 following a Flames 3-1 win over the Florida Panthers here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. This is your Flames Talk post game on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Steinberg along with you. Let's say hello to Kent. What's up, Kent? Good evening, Steinberg. Kent What's from kicking? Drumheller. Kent from Drumheller. What's going on, Kent from Drumheller? I know. Oh, I know. What's going on? You know, isn't this so much fun and nice to watch? You talk to nine out of ten of us pure Flames fans. We we just want an honest effort. That before Wolverine one and seven didn't matter to me. They played great. They had an awesome road road trip. They're doing really good. It's really refreshing, and it's nice to see. It's I know it's hard for some of us Flames fans, myself included at times, because we get so passionate, and it's hard to bite our tongues like last year. But this is sure nice, and I think we're totally heading in the right direction. Now, the first they, thing I the one thing The one thing that I would say, the, just, just before you move on, the, the one thing that I think has been – a pretty large constant since, I don't know, the beginning of November has been they, they rarely cheat you on effort, Kent. And so if if you're somebody who is is really adamant that you're just looking for a good, honest effort, they, they give you that more often than not. So, you know, they're, they're not always going to be the most talented group, and there are going to be nights that that good, honest effort just gets beat by a better squad. Um, that'll happen, uh, and that'll happen with a lot of teams. Uh, but when you're kind of a, a middle-of-the-pack team like the Flames, are yeah uh sometimes a good honest effort will get bested by a good honest effort by uh, a higher end team but tonight their good honest effort was more than enough they got great goaltending they blocked a ton of shots they sold out and they found a way so you've gotten you cannot fault this team's effort um for probably the last six seven weeks in a row you could count on maybe two or three fingers the amount of times you've come away saying geez i sure didn't like that effort like there may not be things that you love about the overall game but the actual effort or compete level seems like it's always there with this group and i think that's a real credit to him no very good point very good point now i like the mike from canmore that was a good that was a good one too (laughs) Everyone remembers yeah. Mike from. You got you got to be a certain you got to be a certain age <laughs> yeah. to get the Royal Canadian Air Force <laughs> jokes. I'm about I'm about as young as it gets that you're going to be able to get that one. Touche, touche. So when did the Huska coaching? 
And that's exactly it. Got a young squad there. That that's why my family, like my kids and I, we enjoy going to junior A like Brooks or Drumheller. Because it's pure hockey and it's there's the efforts there and I, I don't know if it's the farm and ranching thing in us. We just want an honest effort really. I want I don't want to drive to Calgary an hour and ten minutes and see a bomb, you know. I want to see some effort and some nice nice play. And the kids actually went to the Tampa Bay, Bay game there a couple of nights ago, and they wanted me to come with them. And, and I should have because they said that was the best game since game seven of Dallas. They really enjoyed that game. And anyways, okay. I want to get to Huska there. Like, his coaching, I really, I really appreciate it because you know how guys get put in the doghouse and they're in the doghouse for a week or two? I, I was part of that myself. I love that. Uh, I love the thing where he just puts the guy that's not performing on the bench for the night, and then we start with a fresh plate the next day. What what a professional way to handle it! Whoever taught that guy that was that was awesome that he picked that up. Very good coach. Yeah, he uh, he's he's and and that's been a consistent thing. And one of the things that you know Ryan Huska said when he got here, well, not when he got here, but when he took over as head coach, was that. You know, he's going to be really consistent with the message and really consistent with the way that he messages to his players. Um, And that that's not going to, you know, there's not going to be any mind games or anything like that. It's just going to be a consistent approach. And I think that's a good example of of that, what you're just talking about, is that, hey, he's going to let, he's going to let, your perform his he's going to speak with his ice time and he's going to speak by playing the players that he feels are going well and one of the tools that he has to motivate and to evaluate is ice time so he's going to speak a lot of times with ice time and yeah. and he does that but to your point the 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 message has always been well the 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 slate is clean after that one game and that's been a consistent message and a consistent way that he's gone about things the entire way so I'm I'm with you on that no that's good he's he's very respected by me he's got probably five or six years but he won some Memorial Cups and he was around winning teams so it rubbed off on him obviously the last thing before I go I ha- had a whole list here but I'll have to phone you in the new year but can we Please pull the plug on Lindholm and Rosie Ruzichka. There, like they're just—I don't know. I, I got a great idea here. Let, let's let's trade Elias Lindholm for Jake DeBrusque. He's not really—he's not doing things in Boston there, but he's a great young talent. And even if we center them two around like a blockbuster deal, like throwing Mangy Mangiapane there, and like we could do like a huge blockbuster with Boston. I got to phone my Boston buddy there. He knows all the great players on Boston. I think we can put something together with with them and make it work. I think I think Boston's an interesting. If if you're talking about a, a landing spot in a trade for Lindholm or even Hannafin, I think Boston's an interesting one to look at. Um, I, the only thing that I would say is that, and and I, I like Jake DeBrus, the player, and you know there was a trade request there from him uh, a few years ago that has since been rescinded, and he's signed a new deal there. Um, but I, I I would like them to maybe if if they could personally, if they're going to trade a Hannafin or if they're going to trade a Lindholm personally, if if that's going to happen, I. I would like them to target um, somebody a little bit younger than a 27-year-old DeBrusque. That's not to say oh. that I don't think DeBrusque is a good player. I just I would like if they if they're going to make that type of deal, I think a younger player might be the way to go personally. Okay. Yeah, I thought he was a little younger, but 
anyways, just leave it at that then. And I want to wish all the people Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. You guys, the Flames sing there. And it's so nice, actually, that Megan Mickelson. I really enjoy I don't mind if I got to watch a game or listen to a game. I took about a decade off there when Peter Mark quit, but I'm back listening now, and I thoroughly enjoy her takes on everything, and it's refreshing. So have a great night, and yep. looking She's forward awesome. to everyone else. Yep. Take care, bud. Okay. Uh, yep. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it, Kent. 403-240-4444 is your phone number following a Flames 3-1 win over the Florida Panthers here at the Scotiabank. Saddledome Logan is up next. What's up, Logan? Oh, Hey Pat, how are you doing? Good man, how are you? Good. Um, well, I thought the Flames played a solid game, solid defensive game. I didn't think we had too much offense tonight. Thought Markstrom played fantastic. Um, a couple of questions for you. So, I just find Rajitska's going through one of those spells again where he just seems like he's not really trying. And it's like to me, why aren't we putting bringing Coronado up and taking his spot there? Because I, I just I just find Rajitska just hasn't really been doing much. And honestly, same with Dubé. Dubé has, hasn't done much. And I just find that you could bring Coronado up. He's a good power play guy too, as our power play has been struggling. And I just find he hasn't really – both those two just haven't really been doing anything. Yeah, uh, I can't. Uh, I can't sit here and and disagree in a large way with you in terms of just overall what you're you're seeing from uh, Rizicka and and just overall from uh, some of the uh, some of the things that you're seeing on this team's power play. Dubé's been struggling, no doubt. Um, and and yeah, I I I'm curious. I I do think. I, I, I think there's almost no doubt that we're going to see Coronado back up at some point. It only just – the question now is when. And and so I think that when some of these trade decisions end up getting made – look, there's going to be roster spots that are open. The Flames are not going to keep all of their UFAs. They will trade at least one of them. I'm thinking they're going to trade multiple, if not all of their pending UFAs. And so that's going to open up roster spots. That's going to open up some opportunity um, and I also think there are other names that could potentially be on the trade block for this team as well uh, because I think regardless of, of them playing a little bit better in the month of, of uh, November than what they did in October and, and still being in this playoff race they're still they're still in a they're in a spot where they're at the bottom of a playoff picture and they're they're fighting for a wild card spot with five or six other teams. That's not that's not where you want to be and so I do think there's a recognition that they're going to need some overall change and they're going to need to to maybe shake things up a little bit long term. So so I I think that you'll have some spots open up and I think Coronado is absolutely one of those guys that would be a benefactor of those spots opening up. Yeah, no, for sure, Pat. I, I, I agree. Like, I think, I think they will bring Coronado up eventually. I just think it's a little bit tough with what the situation they're in. Like they, they have, they have the, they have the players, but uh, another thing I wanted to talk about was I find it a little bit surprising on, how Lindholm's play has been considering he's a UFA and it does seem like he wants out and uh, it just doesn't seem like he's really given it his all. Um, 
and I just, I just, I just think it's like it's just a little bit surprising. You see players on UFA when they're on their last year of the contract when our UFA, like you think he'd be <laughs> producing a little bit more. Um, and it is a little bit. I do think. I, I, I do think on the Lindholm front. I, I do think uh, that that the overall um, uncertainty and the him not knowing what's coming next. I think. Is I, I think it's weighing on him. I think it's something that um, is is taking a toll on on his overall game. Um, I think that there are certain guys who are cut out for being able to do that uh, more than others. And I just think the the type of guy that Elias is. He's a very private guy. I don't think he necessarily does super well with uh, a spotlight, big spotlight on him. And, and I think that the uncertainty of what's coming next is is weighing on him. So uh, because of that, I think that that is I, – I, I can guarantee you Elias Lindholm isn't thinking to himself – Oh, I've got. I, I know I'm in a contract year. Let's play poorly. Um, I think that he is. I think he's still competing and and working as hard as he always has. I just think that there's some distractions for him right now, and and those distractions are are taking a bit of a toll. Yeah, no, for sure. And I I, I think yeah, I guess it does take a toll on the player. And just uh, one more. I think it's going to be exciting to see because Flames are like that mediocre team right now and I think it's going to be interesting to see when uh, I think we all know that Conroy is, is going to make some moves. He's going to probably make some moves for all of our UFAs and I think it's going to be really really cool to see uh, just, uh, no, maybe we're going to get a lot of young guys in the lineup and, you know, we aren't in a bad position but, no, maybe maybe you do make playoffs after after trading away these guys and you have the young guys in the lineup. And I, I, I think it will be a I, – I just enjoy watching the team and I enjoy watching the young guys, Zari, Pospisil, and it'd be cool to just see mm-hmm. that once you trade away these guys, getting some more young guys back in the lineup, I think it'll be a, a, a really a, a really good thing for the team. And, I mean, I think most Flames fans are thinking the same as me. No, it's, it's going to be fun to watch the young guys play. But uh, that's all for me tonight, Pat. All right, Logan. You have yourself a great night. Yeah, you as well, Pat. Have a good one. You too. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll, I, I do um, – you know, it's funny. He talks about – Logan talks about maybe they still can make the playoffs to make a change here or there. And that's – like, I mean, Nashville almost made the playoffs last year after trading away a significant chunk of their veteran core um they they stuck with some of their guys but they traded away a good chunk of their veteran core and almost made the playoffs remember the preds were the team that eliminated the flames from the playoffs the preds were the team that that stayed in the playoff race longer than calgary did and now look at nashville they're you know having a really nice season and and feeling it feels you know, they're they've uh, won seven of their last ten. They've won four in a row. Uh, they're sitting pretty comfortably in the first wild card spot. They're competing for uh, a central division playoff spot as well. And and so I think that that Preds model of trading away your guys that you know are not going to be there long term. Your Eckholms, uh, your your Grandlins. There's a couple of other moves they made. Trade those away. Get your futures in. 
open up the spots for young players, whether it was Evangelista or some of the other young players that that had opened up spots for, and then and then let her buck. And they almost made the playoffs last year. They're playing some really good hockey this year with those young players getting an opportunity. Who's to say the Flames couldn't do the same thing? Trade away Hannafin, Lindholm, and um, and Tanev. Bring in some young players, picks, futures. Open the door up. The door's already open for Zeri and for Pospisil. Open the door up for Coronado, maybe a Klapka, maybe Jeremy Poirier's ready at that time. Maybe you get another young player or two in at the same time and then and then see what happens. And maybe they can remain competitive and they can remain a team that uh, sticks in it. And maybe they're in a better spot next year. I think Nashville's a really interesting model for the Flames to follow. Um, let's say hello to George on the phone lines tonight. What's up, George? Not much, Patty. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Good to hear, my friend. Um, yeah, look, I got to give them credit. Uh, beating the two Florida teams back-to-back like that, even though I know Tampa was coming off like a long Western road swing and a back-to-back, but still, it's impressive. I mean, those are two really good teams, especially the Panthers. So, number one credit to them. Um, the other thing, though, is, man, they have got to find a way to fix this power play, Patty. It's Still, like I, I know they don't have like as much as much talent as a lot of the high-end elite teams, but still, I will say one thing though: I love that they started putting Uyghur on the power play. He's been phenomenal all year, um, and I honestly don't think not talked about enough by people. And he definitely deserves to be on one of the power play units. So I hope I hope they keep him there because I think I think if there's anybody that can help pay dividends on this power play, it would be that player. Yeah, he's uh, he's gotten more power play time over the last little bit, um, and he uh, I, I think that they're still trying to find the right mix on the power play and the right mix on um, on on who they want to be specifically on the blue line on the power play. Uh, you know, Uyghur's been tried. I still think Rasmus Anderson is the best guy on the power play as, as kind of that point man, that quarterback. Um, but they've tried all of Hannafin, Uyghur, and Anderson. They've gone back to Raz after taking him off the power play for two or three weeks. They've gone back to him as their primary point man and then Uyghur's been the secondary guy uh Hannafin's kind of been the number three guy over the last little bit but I I, I still think they're working on exactly who their best personnel is on the power play and a big part of that is who the the personnel is on on the back end yeah for sure speaking of the back end Chris Tanev you know gets it looks like a you know, a bad a bad headshot or whatever happened. It looked like an upper body injury, we'll call it. Guy comes right well, back. Well, it wasn't. It, it was. It was. Uh, it let, let's be honest. It was. I think we can be pretty, um, pretty clear. It was a concussion. He was in protocol. Had yeah. to go through some testing. So yeah, he had a concussion. So in, in saying that, if he had a concussion, you don't think it was too early for him to come back, or you think he's okay to go like that way? Did, did he did he look like he was okay to go tonight? Well, he did, but he, the guy's a Terminator too. He's not a human like you and I. So, I'm well, talking about medical I mean, rules. They have, they have, so, like, 
they have a they have a very um, like it's a very strict protocol for concussions. So he had to clear a, a number of tests to be able to come back. And so no, I I don't think it was too early because um, there's a concussion protocol to make sure that guys don't come back too early. Good, good. Always safety first, so that's good. But anyway, as I was saying, uh, the guy comes back like nothing happened at all. Simply amazes me. I know we go on and on for ever since he's become a flame, but I'll say this, Patty: if he and he and the team can't reach an agreement to extend him, um, he's one player I really am going to miss. R- really, he's been. It's funny we were having the conversation about who we thought the uh, the best free agent signing has been in the in the last decade. I don't know how. What a mistake by me. I, I don't know how I left him off that list. I, I obviously wasn't thinking that night. That's what happens when you call in at two thirty in the morning. But yeah, like he's on that list. Obviously, if he's not number one, he's number two or one A, one B. However you want to, you know, term that. But he, seriously, he's one guy I'm going to miss. He's done nothing but play play his you know his butt off the entire time he's been on the team. Sacrifice, you know, blocking shots with every part of his body. Um, it just like I said, in saying that though. If he can avoid injury, which the way he plays is easier said than done, I'm pretty confident you could get a first-round pick for him, especially the closer you get to the trade deadline. I think he would be that coveted. I really do. The the the, the scary part is that is is the waiting until the trade deadline, knowing the brand of hockey he plays. Right. That that's kind of the the scary part. That you're like, okay, like what's your risk reward on that front? Exactly. Yeah, and you're right. Exactly, it's the risk reward, and it's and it's that's that's the reality of the situation. It's the reality of what Chris Tanev is as a defensive D man. But what are you going to do? You're not going to pull him out of the lineup, right? I mean, he's who he is, and you just no, play, no. I'm, 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 I'm not suggesting that. I just, I just not, wonder. Yeah. You know, as as Frank's as Frank Saravalli said um, last week, you know, basically said one of the things the Flames are are weighing is okay. How much, like, what are you holding out for? Um, if if you can get a second round pick for a guy tomorrow, um, is are are you willing to, a second round pick and something else tomorrow? But you think maybe you could hold out for a first round pick if you wait. Like, what's your threshold there? And and that's that's only Craig Conroy and company know. But that's kind of the interesting part is you know what the offers are now compared to what you think you might get if you wait. Absolutely. And that's a salient argument to have. It really is because there is a high risk there. And you're honestly, as much as you hate to say it, you you are almost better off trading him and getting a second round pick back as opposed to waiting and him, you know, touch wood getting injured and then you get nothing at all. And then you lose him as a UFA. That would be a worst case scenario for this team. So I understand that. I totally understand that conversation. I really do. Uh, Final one for me, yep. Patty, and I'll let you go. But there's a player that I've been, you know, keeping a close tabs on for obvious reasons and unobvious reasons. The kid's name is T. Jaginla, who uh, currently plays for the Kelowna Rockets of the WHL and is the son of one Jerome Ginla, who we all know and love, and is having himself one heck of a season so far. And with every game, is rising up the many draft rankings of, of many people. So, you know, some pundits have him as high as 12th uh, to go 12th. So my, my kind of, I'm not so much a question, but where the Flames possibly finish in the standing, standings right now, like realistically what could happen, they could legitimately have a shot of drafting this kid. Could you imagine if they were able to do that and if they drafted him? Like how, how cool slash crazy 
glass wild would that be? It would be super neat if they could. And, you know, I don't think that, um, you know, if they end up with uh, uh, a pick that is high, at, say they end up getting a number five pick or something like that, and th- I, I don't know if they need to reach or anything like that, but I think it would be a super cool story. Um, the the um, takes after his old man with the, the goal scoring, and um, he's got 25 in 32 with the Rockets this year. Um, so, I mean, it would be an awesome story if they could, and um, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's listed as a center, and they need high-end offense and forwards. So if if it were to make sense and he was he was the guy, you know, they were in that spot and he was the guy available and they decided to pounce, I think that there'd be a rather large celebration and I think it'd be a pretty cool story. It would be an amazing story. And a quick special shout-out to his younger brother, Joe, who gets called up as a 15-year-old and is actually productive in his first two games with the Oil Kings. So that's awesome. That. That's going to be some hockey royalty, that family. And his daughter, Jade, who's, you know, plays for the national team, who's a phenomenal player, too. I mean, sometimes it's in the genes, Patty. Many times, many times it absolutely is in the genes. Yeah. All right, my friend. Hey, it was an awesome conversation. Always enjoy talking to you, my friend, and I hope you have a wonderful evening. Okay, thank you, George. A um, couple more calls before we go back inside the Flames locker room with the phone lines open at 403-240-4444. It's a Flames 3-1 win over the Florida Panthers. This is your Flames Talk postgame show with Ryan up next. What's up, Ryan? Hey, Pat. I just want to say that What's going uh, on? There's, there's not that much to say because Derek, Megan, and you covered it all. And... Uh, it's just from here to Kitchener, it's just amazing to listen to the game of Calgary, how they are, who they are, and they stop Florida, they stop big other teams, and it feels good to feel that back. They're finding the chemistry, um, you know, the the, the the power kill was fantastic, but. Um, you know, it takes time. You know, more power power play would have been goals would have been nice, but you know that takes time, right? They 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 got to figure that out. The the power play is something they gotta um, they gotta work on. There's no doubt about it in a big big way. But um, they're getting bailed out by scoring on the penalty kill, so they'll take that for now. So what is it gonna take? Because I know they're probably, I think they're going to make the playoff. Because I know they, if they do, they have the heart to make it deep. Like, um, I don't want to say it, but I will. Like Montreal, back way back in the days when they had nothing, and that's what Calgary's reminding me right now is the heart. And I know they have the passion, they have the fans. Um. <laughs> to tonight, you know, Florida, that was big. You know, to me, unfortunately, I have to say that they were going to be close to the cup, but in Calgary, I want to see them there, right? Um, I'm a big fan of Fleury and O'Ginley and all that, and I, I would just like for Alberta to get that back, you know. <laughs> but 
Um, there's not much to say, Pat. I just want to say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you guys. I, I appreciate you guys taking my call from all the way here to Kitchener, Ontario. Um, it's amazing to listen to the Calgary Flames. You guys keep flaming. Um, you're fantastic. I love you guys. Have a great one, Pat. All right, Ryan. You have yourself a great night. Thank you, man. Respect. And uh, let's take one more call before we head back inside the Flames locker room. Say hello to Anand. What's up, Anand? Good evening, Patty. How are you? Good, man. What's going on? Uh, good. I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, actually, um, first of all, I'll be coming to the Dome again soon on December 27th. I won uh, free tickets from the Flames first goal guesser, I guess, Martin Pospisil. So I'll be there at the Dome sooner than I expected. So that's something exciting. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. I, yeah, I actually, uh, yeah, it was a lucky guess. So Martin Pospisil, thank you for scoring the shot and the goal, uh, which is amazing and exciting to see. And then our captain, Michael Backland, as well. And then finally, to end it up with uh, Blake Goldman. Uh, actually, I was a little surprised to see that uh, the goal, uh, especially on an empty netter, that you can get a goal, uh, especially if it doesn't go in and you get uh, a penalty, but it still counts. So that is something fascinating that I learned today. So that's amazing as well. Yeah, yeah it's gotta be. It's gotta be if it's gotta be yeah. if there's a breakaway, and if there's a breakaway into an empty net, and you get impeded, as and and they would have called a penalty shot instead of wasting everybody's time and giving a penalty shot to a guy into an empty net. They just award a goal. Yeah, I haven't come across that. Especially, I watch soccer too, so that was something. Uh, fascinating for me to know. All right, good to know that law. All right, uh, one question for you. I know Dylan Dubé, he hasn't been performing well uh, that much well, but I did read somewhere that he might be eligible to play like in the AHL maybe uh, if he does like clear verse. Is that true? And if that's the case, can he be sent down to the AHL and then like Mac Coronato to be called up just to try to see how Dylan Dubé can improve? Well, anybody can be sent to the American League for the most part, um, but they yeah. have to clear waivers. And that that's the, you know, there's a certain point in your NHL career when you become eligible for waivers and, and you know, Dylan Dubé, Adam Ruzicka, um, uh, th- those are two names that um, are, are already at that point. And so a, a lot of times teams don't want to put guys on waivers uh, because there's a fear they might lose them and you lose them for nothing. So I, I would say very unlikely that that would happen. All right. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Uh, thanks for answering the question. Apart from that, yeah, our power play uh, has not been doing either, but glad it's the penalty killers at least working with the goal. So I'm happy about that. All right, thanks so much, Pat. Once again, have a good night and talk to you on Thursday.
And congrats on the tickets. Thanks, Anna. And you have yourself a great night, buddy. Uh, okay, let's uh, do this. Phone lines are open. Still got a few open if you want to chat at 403-240-4444. Following a Flames 3-1 win over the Florida Panthers. Text line remains open at 960-960 as well. It's Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk post-game show. And we head back inside the Flames locker room. Let's hear from the gentleman who uh, not only scored the game winner with a shorthanded goal, but also moved into second all time on the Flames all-time shorthanded goals list with his 17th career shorthanded goal. Uh, Michael Backlund passes Kent Nielsen into second all-time and only Theo Fleury is ahead of him now with 28 uh, for the franchise lead. Here's Michael Backlund post-game inside the Flames locker room. Like uh, a bit stronger of a celebration when that went in. Why? It's just such a tight game. Yeah, I just felt good. Um, you know, uh, tight games. Um, you get to score. Uh, you know, to one goal, it always feels really good. Tell me about the play. Yeah, I know, you know, PK uh, came off the rush and he made a really good read, good play, and then. Uh, saw a chance to go and he made a really nice pass and I you know, took off and uh, saw that the goalie was leaving the glove, ha- glove hand side open so trying to go that side. Can you just talk about how the concerted effort that everybody made tonight to you know, collapse and protect Markstrom? There was a million block shots. And- yeah, no, that's something uh, this group has improved on the, uh, from the start of the year till today. Uh, the commitment, it's, uh, it's great to see and it's, uh, it's every game now and um, yeah, I'm very proud of the guys. You know, we didn't play well at all in the second. Um, if it wasn't for Marky, we would have been down. Uh, but tie game going to the third, and we find a way to win. So, big game for everyone. What's up? What can you say about Marky's play tonight, Michael? Overall, oh, he was great. Uh, he played really well, really solid. Uh, great to see him come in uh, first game back and you know play that well. So, I'm really happy for him. What, what was working on the penalty kill for your group? Well, it didn't work at first because he scored, but uh, then, uh, you know, I thought in the third we pressured him hard, uh, made him uh, make some turnovers, and um, that's res- that's how we scored the two goals. What's the mindset of the team on the PK? I mean, you're tied for first with eight this season. What's what's the attitude? What, what's going to contribute to that? Uh, I, well, I just you know we get some players that can skate well, and if there's a chance, you know, we talked about it, we don't cheat for chances, but if the, the play is there, we go for it. Um, if we can find a way to score some big goals, that's big for the team. How about Chris Tanev tonight? Just a, a warrior in there, as usual. Yeah, no, it's great to have him back. Uh, he played really well tonight, really solid. Um, I don't know how many blocks he had today, but uh, stepped up big time for us once again. There you go. That is Michael Backlund postgame following a 3-1 win over the Florida Panthers. He scores your game winner shorthanded early in the third period. Um, Let's select tonight's player with heart brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. Uh, I went back and forth on this one, but when uh, it's all said and done, I'm going to go with Martin Pospisil as tonight's player with heart. Uh, Here's why. Uh, I thought Pospisil, first of all, scores a goal to get the Flames on the board, which, you know, plays into it, but leads the team with four shots, tied for the team lead with five shot attempts, and tied for the team lead with two high-danger scoring chances. I thought that line again with Pospisil, Kadri, and Zeri was very impactful, and I'm going to go Martin Pospisil as tonight's player with heart. It's brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. For HeartFit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office, visit heartfit.ca.
My name is Pat Steinberg, where our uh, Flames Talk postgame show is coming at you from the Scotiabank Saddledome. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tonight's game has been brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for a final time tonight. Uh, we just named him the uh, the uh, player with heart. He scored a big goal to open the scoring in the first period and uh, led the way with four shots on net tonight. Let's hear from Martin Pospisil post-game inside the Flames locker room. But it looked like from our vantage point, you really did fool that goaltender. Maybe take us through your, your goal and the process with it. Uh, I, mean, uh, I was a little bit tired. It was like end of the end of the shift, but... Uh, uh, it was a great uh, pass by Katz. He fought me uh, in the middle of the middle of the ice uh, for breakaway. So uh, I first I tried to shoot it, but then then kind of fake it and then go for back and then all of a sudden uh, went in. So I'm happy for it. Hey, we've asked you about uh, playing with Naz in the past, but just the idea of what you continue to learn and uh, you know through example, you see a lot from him, don't you? Yeah, well, I mean it's it's, it's great to, to to play play with Cats and. Uh, you know, uh, he's always talking to me. He's always trying to help me. So I'm really appreciated, and uh, and I'm really happy that I can play uh, this kind of player. And yeah, well, uh, with Kaz and Zar, it's been great so far. When he's talking to you, what is his message? Is it about confidence playing the game? What, what are some of the things? Confident, and you know, uh, some small details what uh, makes makes uh, makes a uh, huge, but uh, at the same times, you know, it makes it makes easy, and uh, then we can create uh, more chances. How how is he like those? long passes of his there have been a couple and just like his his playmaking that that that's gotta be pretty great to be on a line with a guy that can send those types of passes hey yeah like i said uh it's it was great you know i didn't even uh i, I wasn't really ready for the breakaway but he fought me so i was like uh okay sure i will we'll, we'll, we'll skate uh to the net and uh, yeah it was it's uh, it's awesome and uh you know with cats you have to be always ready for pass for some breakaway and and uh, he's always telling me uh, just be ready and, uh, and use your speed so I'm trying to, to use my speed there you go that is Martin Pospisil post game following his goal as part of a 3-1 win over the Panthers on this Monday night uh, just as that was playing uh, live here at the Dome, uh, Eric Francis just came in and uh, pointed this out to me, that uh, they, they upped uh, Chris Tanev's block shots total to 10, and th- those 10 are the highest single season block shots total for any player in the league this year, courtesy of Sportsnet Stats. So uh, that's, a, uh, that's a pretty good game. Welcome back to the lineup. Hey, Chris, 10 block shots. Uh, it's time to look ahead. Looking ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. And next up for the Flames, a quick two-game road trip that starts Thursday in Anaheim against the Ducks. That's an 8 o'clock face-off, live right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan and on television on Sportsnet West and Sportsnet 1. Flames went 3-1 and one in four head-to-head games against Anaheim last season. They won both their games on the road at the Honda Center, which, as we know, is um, significant. Less significant now that they have owned that building after the longest time where they didn't. Uh, overall, Calgary's owned this matchup in recent years in either building. Flames are 9-1-1 one one in their last 11 head-to-head meetings versus the Ducks. That dates back to the 18-19 season. So that is first up on this two-game road trip, and then 
Saturday they're into Los Angeles. They return home after Christmas for a Wednesday game against the Seattle Kraken. That is Looking Ahead tonight, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Let's get back to the text line at 960-960. Craig in Copperfield says, um, really for real, if not for Markstrom and the defense, would not have won any of the last five games. Five on five, I think our defense has outscored the forwards. If they haven't, my bad. But the D have done their job to a T. Have the forwards? Uh, maybe a couple. The forwards need to get their poop in a group. They need a sniper. No more passers. They've got lots of those. Uh, this says, I'm not sure what the future holds for this team, but they're entertaining to watch. Of the three UFAs remaining, and they could sign one of them if they had an appetite to stay, who would you sign? For me, it's Hannafin. Also, Greer was good again tonight. I'd bring him back for next year, maybe trade him at the deadline, then sign him as a free agent in the summer. You know, Greer will be interesting um, because... What they do with him at the deadline, um, they, they I, I think, will be dictated where they are in the standings. If they're still competitive at that time, I could absolutely see them holding on to Greer and, and thinking about keeping him in the fold. If not, what a what a great situation that would be. If he continues to play the way he is, being a real effective bottom sixer, chipping in with some offense, then all of a sudden you get an asset for him at the deadline to a team that's looking to add a little depth and toughness and size in their bottom six. Well, that's a guy that you claim for free off waivers. I think it's a win-win if you're the Flames in that situation with the way things have gone with Greer. He's been that good of a fit. Um... This from Blair and Airdrie. I had said before the Flames play scared, but it was at Saturday's game and then on the tube tonight, and they were not playing that way in both lower teams, but nice building blocks. I don't know if Florida's a lower team, Blair. They just were in the Stanley Cup final last year. Um, and before that, the Tampa, I mean, Tampa Bay is still a pretty good team, too. Uh, Gary from uh, Airdrie says, great game. Question is, who had the Christmas lights on the broadcast booth? I don't know if I um, know what he's talking about, but that's because I don't watch the television games, uh, the, the television broadcast for home games, just because uh, we're, we're here in our booth doing our own games, so I don't uh, see the television broadcast the telecast as closely as I do on road games. Um, this says, Pat, I think this team deserves a lot of credit. They went 6-5-2 and two through an absolute gauntlet. Colorado times two, Vegas times two, Dallas times two, Carolina, Jersey, Vancouver, Florida, Tampa, and Minnesota times two. On the Lindholm Colorado trade front, I don't think Byram's as untouchable as you and Aaron said today. Colorado already has $63 million locked up in only 10 players for the 25-26 season with Ranton and a pending UFA in the summer of 2025 and probably adding at least 10 mill to that 63 would think Byram would do will be due for a fairly big pay raise in 25 26 I think Byram is in the shadow of Makar and could flourish with top pair and first power play units and unlikely he'll ever get that in Colorado obviously would cost more than just Lindholm but if the Flames are interested in retooling but not rebuilding I think he'd be an excellent fit thoughts my, my only point to that is I still don't think there is a hope in hell you're touching Bowen Byram between now and this year's trade debt line because as much as your point is fair about their cap situation going forward they want to win a Stanley Cup this year and they don't want to take anything away from 
their key players in winning a Stanley Cup. And Bowen Byram is a staple in their top four. And so I just don't think that there is any way Joe Sackick is parting with Bowen Byram this year uh, in any type of trade. If they acquire an Elias Lindholm, I think that there are a lot of other things they would part with. But Bowen Byram right now, I do not think would be. And if I'm wrong on that, I would say, damn, that's a great acquisition and good on him. Uh, but I just don't see any hope in hell that Bowen Byram could be any part of a return with Elias Lindholm in a potential trade for uh, with Colorado. The reason we're talking about this, by the way, is because Elliot Friedman on the 32 Thoughts podcast Monday brought that up. That's available wherever you get your podcasts as well and said that the belief is that Colorado is looking to add and a lot of teams believe they're sniffing around Elias Lindholm of the Flames. It would be a match made in heaven. I just think you need to temper expectations on getting a guy like Byram back in return. There are lots of other. There's um, there, there's Cal Ritchie. There's Sean Behrens. They've got their first round picks. There's lots of assets Calgary could get in a trade that would send Lindholm to Colorado. I just think that you're in dreamland if you think Byram is is one of them myself. Uh, this reads, welcome back, Mark. He had a hell of a game. Glad he's back. But, Pat, what do you think about sending Dubé and Mangiapane down for a bit? Last time they were sent down was in 2019, but it might wake him up a bit and let him know they aren't playing uh, enough to keep him on the bench. It might light a fire underneath them. They still have to make room for two guys in Coronado and Pelche. Sending them down for a bit would open up a couple spots for the young guys. I mean, you're, you're talking about waivers and and I think both guys would get claimed all day, every day. Um, waivers, and it's just not a realistic thing to be sending either Dubé or Manjapani. Uh, there's no doubt Manjapani would get claimed. I think Dubé would probably get claimed too. I just do. So I, I don't sending them down to the American League is is not a viable option right now. Um, this says, strong game from Markstrom today, Pat. He was calm, collected, and looked like an absolute wall back there. Uh, Backlund and Lindholm are elite penalty killers, and Backlund himself willed the team to victory on the PK. Great show of leadership by the captain tonight and the rest of the group. Here's from Stafford, who's at the Dome tonight. The cons, the power play is a disaster. It has to be better or just play their regular lines. They never get their first shot in the second period until 12 minutes in. They were lucky to keep them off the scoreboard in the second. The positives, Markstrom's performance might put them over 900 for the first time this season. A positive trend. Tanev returns and blocks more shots than ever before. A positive trend. Hannafin skating like the wind and the penalty kill continues to impress with two shorties. The intangibles, and I know, Pat, you don't like to talk about refing, but it was horrendous. I know they can't be perfect, but they need to be consistent. I don't know. They were consistently inconsistent tonight, and um, each team got five power plays tonight. Um... This says, uh, Pat, what is the single-season Flames record for team shorthanded goals? Also great to have Marty and Tanev back in the lineup. Um, the team record for shorthanded goals. That's a really good question. Uh, I was looking that up, and then I um, stopped looking that up, and now I don't have that answer for you. So I'm going to go quickly look for that right now uh, and see if I can stall. Um, they're at eight shorthanded goals as it stands right now. If I go to Stathead over at Hockey Reference, go to Team Season Finder, if the internet would uh, work and bring me to that page, um, I would be stalling a whole lot less. Um, 
now uh, this is really annoying me because I uh, thought that I could do it quickly and instead this website isn't loading and that's really annoying. I'll double back on that. Uh, this says from Dylan and Revelstoke, nice to see Markstrom hasn't skipped a step and they've got a goalie above 900 on the season again. Setting the bar high, I know it's been talked about to death, but Zeri never accidentally puts a puck into an area. He puts it there with a purpose and with a careful amount of force. The poise on that kid's next level. Would love to see him tried with Lindholm and Sharon Govich. Move Machapani down to a spot where he's useful. That comes from Dylan in Revelstoke. That is the text line at 960-960. And unfortunately, I cannot get Stathead to work over at Hockey Ref. I don't know what the heck the problem is. Maybe I can get it to uh, work right now and see if I can find that. Okay, let's see if I can do this right now. Um... Shorthanded goals greater than eight. Let's see what the team record is for shorthanded goals right now. Um, dang it, I forgot to put in the team. This is just horrible radio, but you know what? We're uh, we're doing our best, and I really want to find this answer because the texter asked, and then I was looking it up, and then I forgot because I'm a dummy. Uh, Okay, team record for shorthanded goals is 23 back in the 87-88 season. There you go. Wanted to make sure I got that in. I'm glad I did. Good stuff on the text line at 969-60. Let's get to the phone lines uh, for the final time. Five more calls before we wrap things up on this Monday night. Let's say hello to Parsons. What's going on, Parsons? Hey, brother. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Great game, eh? Yeah. Was, Can you hear me? It was, oh, it yeah. was a game. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Wasn't sure if you could hear me. Yeah. No. Um. I'm I'm loving that cadre line, man. I'm I'm loving those kids. I thought Pospisil had a great game tonight. Um. I love everything that he brings to the table. Uh, Zari again, another great game. That guy has got great vision. He's Super high IQ uh, for someone his age, um, especially since he missed so much time. But he, he's really caught up, and um, I think Kadri's uh, really digging working with these two kids. So uh, good on him. I thought Backlund had a great game tonight. Kudos to Backlund. Um, Marky, of course. Wow. Awesome game. Uh, Tanev, of course, the second goalie with 10 block shots. What can you say? Um, overall, it was, it was a really good game, man. I, there wasn't a lot of passengers. Uh, I'm, I'm still concerned about Huberto, obviously. Uh, Rizichka, I, I don't know what's going on there. Um, Bonjapani. Uh, I wish we could get a little bit more there. He's starting to flutter around a bit around it, but um, I'm not sure what to think of that guy right now. This the the power play is absolutely horrendous right now. I'm not sure. Like mm-hmm. I keep saying, let's throw Huberto up in the point. Like let's try to kill two birds with one stone here. Let's get him active somehow. Um, other than that. Um, <laughs> I have a trade proposal. Okay. It's with Boston because everyone keeps talking about Boston. And it obviously revolves around Lindholm. What I would like to see, and if the Flames return is, you know, a prospect ready today, a pick, 
and a player ready today, let's say that's the acquisition price, uh, I would like to see Matthew Patras, Jake DeBrusque, and a pick for Lindholm. What type of pick? Uh, that's subjective. Uh, maybe a second or a third. See, I, I I would much rather them target a first-round pick myself. Um, yeah, if but they're Matthew Patra is a Lindholm. very good prospect. I, I'm aware of that. I just I would still rather them get a first-round pick if they're going to be moving Lindholm. Do, do you think um, Boston would take that? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, uh, I honestly don't know. Um, I don't know if, if – I mean, Boston is uh, – that's a team that I think definitely could use a player like Lindholm and, and could use some center ice depth. They've got next to no cap space, though, so um, I'd be curious to see how they make that whole thing work. Right. Well, and maybe you know, maybe a guy like DeBrusque could help in terms of um, in, in terms of the making the money work for sure. It could, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I uh, that 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 seems that seems somewhere in. A ballpark as to what you're talking about. I still, since Elliot Friedman's brought up uh, Colorado, that's the team that is uh, most interesting to me. Now, Patras is is fascinating. I believe they just released him to go to the World Juniors for Team Canada. Uh, he's he's a really like that's a, a really interesting prospect. So if that's a guy they could they could bring back. Then yeah, let's have the the conversation. If you could get him, and you know maybe he's the type of guy that that it does drop the pick a little bit um, to make it a second or third. I don't know, um, but that that those are the types of deals. I I still would like him to see them bring back a first, but if it were to end up being like him in a second round pick, and they brought yeah. DeBrusque in to help make the money work, something like that, yeah. I, I that that would be a decent return. I, I think that's a good deal, like for a second. You know? I just don't know. I don't know if they – I don't know if Boston does that myself. I'm not saying they wouldn't. I just um, – I don't know if that is, you know, too rich for a Bruins team's blood or not. I don't know if they're wanting to part ways with DeBrusque, who, you know, is, is a regular with them right now, or if they'd be looking to – only be doing futures. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, Boston is definitely an interesting potential landing spot for for Lindholm. I think it's an interesting landing spot for Hannafin. You could make a very good in- argument that it could be a good run- landing spot for Tanev. Um, the Bruins are a really good team, and, and they feel like they probably need uh, another couple of pieces to get where they want to go. For sure. Yeah, no, I just I really value Patras as a as a future, and he's a guy that can play in your lineup now for sure. And Debreska's having a pretty down season. Uh, maybe a new environment will kind of enlighten him a little bit in a second. Honestly, I I, I would rather that kind of return right now because we're not getting a ton out of Lindholm right now, anyways. Um, good player, but. Uh, you know, I, I think we get the best of all three worlds with that trade. But, um, yeah, so other than that, um, 
I thought everyone had a good game. There was no passengers tonight. It felt like I thought Uyghur had another strong game. And um, again, Marky was awesome. You know, oh, I'm going to hate when this team breaks up a little bit almost, Pat. <laughs> like, I feel like it's going to happen a little bit, but uh, I I don't know. I, I don't know what we do with uh, Huberto other than try him in different positions. Again, I just I really want to see them try that on him on the power play. I just don't think they're going to do it though. So I have no idea if they will or not. Yeah. Well, all I hope is that we kind of start lining ourselves up with the new arena, and um, you know, we kind of take it from there. So you, you still want to sign Hannafin, eh? I I mean. Not that I don't want to. Right now on December 18th, I, I guess uh, now we're technically December 19th. Um, I I think trading him makes more sense. Okay, yeah, I'm in that I'm in that camp right now too. Actually, um, I think Hannafin's so. playing great hockey right now. I think Derek made the point earlier that um, he's he's playing maybe some of the best hockey of his career. I think that's absolutely correct. Hundred percent, it is. So now, now is the time to cash in. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, all the best, and and on to the next game, man. It, that was a good game. I, I really enjoyed that one, and I'm glad they, uh, you know, held it down in the third finally. So that was that was nice. Uh, all right, Pars. Uh, you have yourself a great night. You too, sir. Thanks, man. Let's say hello to Tanner. What's going on, Tanner? Hey, how's it going, Pat? Good, man. How are you? Good. Uh, I've got a couple points for you. Um, first one I'm going to bring up is when are we going to consider Huberto? I mean, I guess we could already say he's probably the worst contract we've ever seen on the Calgary Flames. But when are we going to start considering him one of the worst in NHL history at this point? I mean... If it continues going this way, um, not that long, I guess. Yeah, because I mean, like, what is he on track for? Like thirty-six points, ten half million. That's, I mean, that's yeah, I think bad. it's probably what well, because he didn't have didn't have a point tonight. Tonight, uh, didn't have a point tonight, so that would be um, fifteen in thirty-two times eighty-two on pace for thirty-eight points. Yeah. I mean, personally, I mean, I'm, I've never heard of a guy getting paid ten and a half million and, you know, getting under forty points. But, um, yeah, that's just the first point I wanted to bring up. But I guess on a more positive note, is um, I really have I've been liking Zari this season. And uh, when are we going to consider him maybe for like the caller conversation? Because I've heard I've seen on Instagram that he's leading the NHL in points per sixty over Bedard. But I know I feel like I feel like the NHL will just give it to Bedard because of the name. But I real I think well the NHL uh, doesn't the NHL doesn't give them out. They're voted on. Uh, oh, so the okay. the Calder Trophy's voted on by uh, the Professional Hockey Writers Association. Okay, but do you think do you think Zari could, could get in the conversation? Maybe like top three by the end of the year if he keeps his pace. Are you, if if he keeps this pace, he better. Yeah. I've been really impressed in this year. He's been a, he's been one of the 
huge bright spots this year. And I really hope he can uh, keep on that pace because, man, it's, I went to the game tonight and it was, it was such a breath, uh, breath of fresh air to see him play. He's really good out there and he's young. So it really, it really makes me excited for some, some of the young prospects we have for sure. Yeah, and he's been he's been a really positive story that uh, I think that we all were excited about him when he got recalled. But I don't think anybody saw this coming. Yeah, how long how long is he on that uh, rookie rookie deal for? Like he's getting paid what nine hundred thousand right now a year. Uh, yeah, he's on uh, he's on his entry level deal right now. So because he's a first round pick, is is at the rookie max um, when he signed. He is up at the end of next year. So he's got uh, one oh. year uh, one year left on uh, one year left on his entry level deal. I believe okay. I believe he. Uh, I believe he had an entry-level slide, which is why um, he'll get basically what happens. I won't get into the hockey. I won't get into the CBA stuff, but uh, essentially what happens is under certain circumstances, you can get four years of pro out of a three-year entry-level deal, and that's what Zary will end up getting because um, his entry-level deal slid one year. So essentially, they get one free year under the entry-level requirements, especially if he only played in the American League. So yeah, they've got. Uh, one more year on his um, eight hundred and sixty-three thousand three hundred and thirty-three cap hit. Okay, and what do you what do you think he like if he keeps up at this pace, right? What do you think he'd be worth? Like, how much do you, how much would you be comfortable signing him if when when his contract's up? If he keeps up around this pace, like, are we thinking a, a bridge deal or, or a long-term eight-year contract, like around seven million a year, or? I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. Let's let I, I'm going to I'm going to back off on the my long term projections after uh, I I did one over the summer on Dylan Dubé and that hasn't worked out so well. Um, but I will say I always lean towards going long term if you can. Uh, yeah. So if if this continues and you're talking about him next season still being a really productive player, I, I'd be talking. I, I'd be looking to see if he couldn't get uh, a long-term deal done. Yeah, especially what happened. But there's a lot of speculation. Like we got to see what happens when he runs into his first few slumps, like every other player does. It's, I, I think still think there's some yeah. evaluation here. Yeah, uh, talking about Dubé actually. Um, when, when do you think we should maybe healthy scratch him? And especially when, like when Pelche comes back eventually in some guessing sometime in January, what, what forward is most likely going to be pushed out of the lineup? Because I'm thinking, and I don't think Greer should be pushed out of the lineup. I think he's had a really solid stretch the last couple of weeks, at least a month. And I really think, I mean, other than, some key players like Kuberto is really struggling. I think Dubé might be one of the easier ones to take out of the lineup, but I've heard in your previous calls that you can't really send him down to the minors because of the waiver situation. But I'm really struggling to think who would you replace Dubé or when Pauche comes back, who do you take out of the lineup? And especially with Coronado 
being good in the AHL. Um, well, right now, right now, if 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 everybody's healthy when Pelche comes back, and we're not talking until January until he's back at the earliest, but probably sometime in January, if everybody's healthy and they haven't made any trades, because I think you got to factor that in as well. But if the roster is as is and everybody's healthy, then yeah, it's it's Dubé or or Rizicka who would be the candidates right now. Okay, yeah. I just, yeah, it's just, it's just been really a really disappointing year for Dubé. I really thought he would be a lot better than he is now. I don't know if it's just because he's been on the fourth line for two, and he's not having the, maybe the support he usually has in previous years, or I don't know. But it's been, re- it's been really. I when I watched him tonight, he seemed to struggle a bit too. It's been, yeah, it's been a little rough for him, especially this year. Well, he had, he had forty-five. He had forty-five points last year, and yeah. it's you know, it's he's on pace for like I don't know, twenty-one or something like that this year. Yeah. So yeah, it's um, it's an area that it's it's definitely it's it's definitely been a frustrating year for him, no doubt about it. Yeah, and um, just my last point here. Um, do you think that if we could trade Tanev? Glenn Tolman Hannafin this year to retain all three of them. We could retain some salary on them. Do you think that we could possibly mm-hmm. have three first round picks for, for three of them combined? Do you think we could get a first round pick for 10? Um, like you think you like getting, getting a first round pick back in each of the deals? Maybe, maybe not. Like I'm saying overall, if we traded all three of them, do you think we could with retained salary, do you think we could possibly get three first-round picks back? Um, I think I think it's not completely out of the question, but I would say probably. I just probably not is what like I w- I would lean towards probably not, but I wouldn't completely rule it out. Yeah, I think we could. I think we could get at least two because I think if we retain some salary, I do too. I think. And Tanner, we got it. We got a wrap here. Um, yep. But I think. I think two is is a fair target, and I wouldn't completely shut the door on three. But I would lean towards probably two being more realistic. I appreciate the call tonight, man. Good to hear from you. Yeah. Have a good night, hey. Thanks, Tanner. Uh, let's say hello to Kale. Uh, we got three more calls before we wrap up tonight. What's up, Kale? Hey, I was just uh, wondering about Dubé. Um, last year he was pretty good for the team. This year he's can't even know what's on the ice. I was just wondering if it was a Sutter thing. Like, did Sutter like to play him more? Or was it more of a like? Did Sutter like him more than Husker? Or why is he on such a decline for the team? I I don't. I don't know, uh, like I don't know a hundred percent why. Like I, I think that um, the Flames are asking themselves why. I think Dylan's trying to figure out why it's been such a giant drop. Like I do, I do think there's been, um, you know, he's he's been used in less high leverage roles this year than he was last year, and and part of that I think is because he was being used a little further up the lineup earlier in the season. 
it wasn't really clicking. And so then that just opened the door for more line shuffling. And now they found some things. They found the cadre line with Pospisil and Zary. They've found, uh, they, they've decided that they've liked Coleman with Backland and not Coleman. They've liked Huberdo with Coleman and Backland, which I get. Um, and, and Sharon Govich and Lindholm's turning into something. And, and Manjapani has, I, I guess, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of chemistry, not chemistry, but there's some familiarity there with Lindholm and Manjapani. So I, I think that it's it's been a number of things. Um, and, yeah, it's got to be frustrating because 18 goals and 45 points last year looked like the trajectory was pointed really strong, and it, it obviously hasn't continued that way this year. Yeah, I was also wondering why um, we've tried every other D-man on power play one except for Tanev. Why is he not getting the opportunity up there? It's not, it's not really as bad as it is. Couple of things. Number one, he hasn't been a uh, on the on a power play in years and years and years. Um, and second of all, it's not doesn't really suit his skill set. Um, like I think that he's I think he'd actually be very good walking a line in those types of things. But you know the shot, and it's just not really what his identity is. And number three, he's used so extensively on the penalty kill that they probably want to dial back uh, as as much other time as they can because he gets taxed in a huge way killing penalties. So all those three things would be how I'd answer that. Mm-hmm. Now, what demon do you think should be running that power then? Because we've tried almost everyone on the blue line, and nothing seems. I to still click think. For them. So I still think. I still think Rasmus Anderson's the best fit, um, mm. and and I know it hasn't been. Uh, it hasn't been great guns, and it hasn't been a high powered power play this year. I, I'm very well aware of that, uh, but I still think the best fit is Rasmus Anderson. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, that was all the questions I had to ask. Um, I just had one more thing. Um, Coleman sold the parlay tonight. We had him plus two and a half. He didn't get three shots, so it's a little frustrating. And also, I'd like to shout out the D-Gens group chat. I could. I like it. Shout Thank out to again. the D. Shout out to the Dgens. I like it. Um, just be be Dgens responsibly. Um, and right. I'm, you know what? I'll say this, Kale. I can tell you that Blake Coleman will sleep very soundly tonight, even though he didn't uh, help you hit your parlay. He sold. He sold hard. <laughs> Thank you again, though. Thanks, Kale. Have a good night, hey? Uh, let's say hello to Gary with two more calls to get. What's up, Gary? Hello, Pat. Oh, what a game tonight. What's up? Hey, that was, that was something I... I'm the one that called after Robert that was so positive, and uh, I think we're doing oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, tonight I just want to wish all the listeners a Merry Christmas, all the texts that I listen to uh, and the uh, calls. Everybody's saying what I want to say. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we play so well as we are in efforts there. Uh, I got to give a shout-out to my two little grandsons, uh, Levi and Jace, their dad listened to the podcast that you have. And uh, the other day they asked, uh, can we listen to Pop on the podcast? So I was pretty tickled that they still, you know, they're they're hooked. Oh, nice. They're uh, very happy. That's and we awesome. Game tonight. Uh, made it on the Jumbotron. Uh, I'm going to make a few signs again so we can get up there and you'll 
figure out who we are. Uh, my little grandson wears a Jopa helmet. We also got okay. a lot of autographs. He was looking for something tonight. He wanted, and all the players, the veterans, the Stanley Cup winners were there. And my little grandson was so tickled by what he had, he would not put those cards down. Um, they were so nice. I introduced them to every guy. I, I remember them all. So for him to have that moment, and we also got a few for the little grandson that wasn't there. The Tukes, the, the Coca-Cola gave out. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And again, Pat, you do a great show. I'm just about back to Tabor, and I'm turning into a little bit of a celebrity because of you. And uh, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, I'm going to keep calling. That's we'll awesome. Keep the weather's good. I never let you talk. That's that's me. So, uh, again, thank you so much. And uh, I was out in Vancouver the other day, and I uh, got to go to the Luongo um, celebration there. And I hadn't been in that rink for 10 or more years. It was amazing loud. And I'm looking forward to Kippersoft's retirement and uh, being yeah. there. And I know the Flames fans are going to be louder than, than I was at the Canucks. But it was nice to see and uh, honored a goalie that played for Team Canada as well and helped us win the gold medal, right? So I'm, I'm not cheering for the Canucks, but never. So <laughs> thank you. All right, thank Gary. So Appreciate yep. the call, man. Merry Christmas, my friend. Merry Christmas. You as well. Be well and uh, say, hi to, say, say hi to the grandkids. Oh, yeah, we're going to hunt you down. I want to see what you look like one day, so. Looking forward to that. Oh, you don't want to see that. Yeah, it'll just well, be disappointing. Got to meet the man. Got to meet the legend. <laughs> so, <laughs> giggle away, bud. All right, I, Gary. I enjoy. Take care. Bye now. Okay, man. Be well. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you as well. That was uh, that was nice of you, Gary. And uh, you don't have to hunt me down. I'm quite accessible and. Um, yeah, uh, but that's a good way to wrap things up this evening on the phone lines. Great stuff on the phone lines. Great stuff on the text line tonight. It's time for the final summary following tonight's 3-1 win over the Florida Panthers. Here we go. Flames never trailed as they open the scoring at 845 of the first period. Martin Pospisil makes it 1-0 with his fourth of the year. Pospisil from Nazem Kadri and Dennis Gilbert gave the Flames a one-rip lead. That was answered by a Sam Reinhardt goal for Florida at 19-29 of the first period. Reinhardt's 18th from Matthew Kachuk and Alexander Barkov, and uh, a power play goal had this game all square 1-1 after 20 minutes of play. No scoring in the second period. Off to the third we go when Michael Backlund gives the Flames the lead back with a shorthanded beauty. Backlund seventh from Noah Hannafin at 331 shorthanded. Flames led 2-1 and then they would add one more into an empty net kind of. Just trust me. It was a goal. Blake Coleman's 10th of the year unassisted. Shorthanded again makes it 3-1 at 1824 and uh, that gets us to our 3-1 final score. Final shots for 35-24 in favor of the Flames. Sorry, in favor of the Panthers. Calgary goes 0-5 on the power play. Florida 1-5 
with the man advantage this evening. Your three stars tonight, number three, Sam Reinhardt, number two, Michael Backlund, and number one, Jacob Markstrom, who made 34 of 35 in a pretty stellar effort tonight. With the win, Calgary improves to 13-14-5. and five. They're back in action Thursday on the road in Anaheim, while Florida drops to 18-11-2. They're back in action Thursday at home to St. Louis. That is your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames Hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, for our on-site engineers, Tim Khalil and Evan Cody, for our reporter, Matty Rose, and for our outstanding producer, Azam Ali Nanji, my name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on our Flames Talk post-game show, which is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. So next up, as I mentioned, Anaheim on the road on Thursday night. It is an 8 o'clock face-off, which means we're on the air at 7 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your week. Final score from the Scotiabank Saddledome tonight. Flames fall. Flames don't fall. Flames win 3-1 over the Florida Panthers. This has been your Flames Talk post-game show, available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.